Hello everyone and welcome back to the Underground Mess Hall, Finn McHale here. And yesterday, chapter 55 of Record of Ragnarok titled Taboo was translated. So we're just going to go right ahead and get into reviewing it. So this chapter starts and for the rest of the period reviewing this series, I'm just going to call it the human's locker room because saying it's their staging area or whatever, that's just a lot and I don't, I just want to keep it to a simple term. So we start looking at what looks like the outside of the human's locker room in, Val in the Valhalla arena. And so we see Gel and Brunhilde walking down and Brunhilde singing to herself, all right, both of the sides are even again, but in context, Buddha was the one who got this victory for us and he really unnerved the gods with that victory. This is our chance to up the pressure and the ante on them and take the lead. And then they have a quiet little discussion about how, you know, well, Buddha's doing very well, you know, he's in a stable condition, he's got a lot of willpower and vigor, and Brunhilde's like, yeah, I would expect nothing less, you know, while Gail and Brunhilde have this little back and forth. And at the same time they're having this back and forth, they're going back into this little, I'll call it her spirit supercomputer where she can pick her human fighters, because that's what it kind of looks like. And we see another Brunhilde, and Gail is just like, huh, wait a minute. What's going on? And so Brunhilde, the, the, the fake one, as we'll find out soon, is like, long time no see. And Gail's about to have another stroke. She's like, there's two Hildes? <laughs> and the Brunhilde, the real Brunhilde, she gets a scrunch face. The vein pops over her eyebrow. And she's like, what are you doing here with my clothes on? Nostradamus. And then Gail kind of calms down a bit. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. He's the prophet of the century. And he removes, you know... Brunhilde's clothes revealing, you know, very somewhere between 13 to 15th century French clothing, you know, with the puffy shirt, the breast vests and the uh, breast vest, the vest with, you know, the, the breast belts and everything and the poofy pants with the stockings. And we get his title card, Michel Nostradamus of France. And he's very fair skinned, very Peter Pan looking kind of guy. And then he just kind of goes like clears his throat like, ahem. Allow me to prophesy. The ones to win this tournament, Ragnarok, will be the gods. And it gives Gel another stroke. She's like, are you, are you serious? Mankind's gonna lose? Brunhilde looks unimpressed, and then Nostradamus like, finally lets it slip, starts laughing. He's like, I can't believe you bought it, little lady. Oh my god. Gel's face gets super flushed. I'm like, if she... We might just have to have a stroke counter for the rest of the series, because like the amount of strokes she borderline has or looks, it, it's so funny. And so... She's like, Sister Gil, or excuse me, Sister Hildy, what's this guy's problem? He's really peeving me off because Gil can't curse for some reason. Because she's so innocent. And Brunhilde goes on to explain, okay, so the guy you're seeing before you, he's the most obnoxious dude in all of human history. While she's explaining this, you know, he's laying on his front, you know, kicking his legs, having the little hands under his chin going, he, he, he. And Brunhilde's like, unfortunately, he's a really fucking strong guy, though. And Gail's just like, so that pervert who just tried on all your clothes without your permission is that strong for real. Brunhilde goes on to say, yeah, you know, he is. But then she directs her attention to him and says, all right, you keep these pranks up. I'm going to send you back to Helheim. And this is when Nostradamus goes, oh, no, please don't. Don't send me back to Helheim. I don't know why I'm doing different accents. We're just going to go with it. He's just like, don't send me back to Helheim. It was such a tragedy, I cannot deal with it. Brunhilde, again, unimpressed, is like, all right, enough of the obvious lies. If you truly had felt like it, you could have come back at any time, even if it took killing the guards. 
Nostradamus swipes away, you know, his crocodile tears and everything, and he goes, I guess, yeah, you know, there's just a certain je ne sais quoi about the place. It's so appealing. And then Gelfine is like, hold on a minute. He's a human. Why was he in Helheim? Which is a very great question, especially Gel being our stand-in for the audience for a lot of these questions, which I really enjoy. Brunhilde goes on to explain, so he broke the god's ta- taboo, almost said tattoo, excuse me. He broke the god's taboo, and he became the only one in all of human history to be directly cast into Helheim. And Nostradamus is, you know, just playing us up like, oh, don't flatter me, you're over-exaggerating. And Gel's like, wait a minute, what did he do? He broke the god's taboo? What, what was that? And Brunhilde simply states he destroyed the Bifrost. And so we get some background narration. So as earlier on with uh, Buddha and Hajun's fight, we found out through Hades about like the three realms. And we get like these three little like discs to visualize us. And we get that visualization back. So it's like, okay, you know, there's three layers, Valhalla, Helheim, and Midgard. And along is a corridor that connects them. And so it takes us looks like a slide from, you know, chutes and ladders. And it's a certain gate. And from the top down, okay, from Valhalla's side, it looks like a door casting darkness. And from Helheim up, looking up, it looks like a magnificent light. And this is the gate of rainbow and darkness, the Bifrost. And it also goes on to explain how Helheim and Valhalla used to go to war all the time, and so in order to prevent them from invading one another, the Bifrost was constructed. And so anyone who gets passed down the gate who fell to Helheim, you know, they couldn't go back to Valhalla. And so we find out some more of these rules and how there's only a few gods that can pass through it, and some of those are the chief gods, such as Hades, Zeus, Odin, and Shiva. There's probably others, but they're the four that we get. And Basically, it's the cover on the cauldron of hell. And so after hearing about all this, Gel, you know, is hyperventilating like, you destroyed the Bifrost? And like, why would you? And Nostradamus goes on to clarify, he didn't destroy the whole thing, you know, because they got to him eventually, the guards. But he was just really curious what would happen if they broke it, you know. He says himself that he's one of those guys that likes to see things, excuse me, he likes to see things for himself once they come down on his head. <laughs> or come to his head. And and Gel, like her jaw drops to the floor, like this is like one of the most sinister criminal guys for kicks is here. And so Brunhilde asks, uh, basically, what are you doing here, Nostradamus? And he's like, he wants to know if it's his turn to fight yet. And Brunhilde's like, no, not yet, because you're the Joker. And so I'm like, ooh, so Nostradamus is the wild card, so that'll be interesting. And Gel's like, you know, really, this is Mankind's Joker, total weirdo. And then Brunhilda's little like iPad, iPhone thing beeps off and she gets a shocked face because she sees who the next God's fighter is. And Gel asks, what's up? They go on to look and they're all shocked because round seven is Hades. So we see the uh, iPad screen says round seven, fighter for the gods, Hades, ruler of the netherworld. So Nostradamus is like, ooh, the God of the Dead himself is here too? He's like, man, it looks like they're really going all out. I want to see him real soon. And so Gel's like, wait a minute, hold on. That's Buddha's replacement. Hades is no fair. There's no one in humanity who can beat him. So in response, Brunhilde just throws both Nostradamus and Gel off her shoulders. And is like, no, there is one. You know, 
this guy, you know, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and a ruler for a ruler. So we see her pick one of her fighters, and she says the only man who can compete against the ruler of Helheim is this man, the ruler where it all began. And we see him bust out of the room, and we don't get a clear visage of him, but he's going and saying, hmm, not here either. He's trying to find his waiting room. And so we go to the VIP section of the gods. So Hades and Hades, excuse me, Ares and Hermes are sitting there and they're like, Ooh, I can't believe Hades decided himself to participate. And Ares is trying to blow smoke up his own ass by saying, Though I was hoping I could live up to your expectations, Hermes. And Hermes just coyly goes, Surely you didn't think you were actually going to participate, you know? That was a close call. And <laughs> Ares is like, No, 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 no. I really hate that about you. Why do you got to do that, man? Good grief, you know? But they're going, It's clear who's going to win the next round. And just take a look at the arena and it's very skull and bones designed fire pyres and just looks straight out of halloween town so aries keeps going on and he's like well this is just a perfect scene for hades victory you know but now they're wondering like who are they gonna send out and aries is just all puffed up and going oh it doesn't matter they'll all be the same they'll grovel before him and beg for his mercy and kiss him and then we see the guy who busted out show up and sit on Hades's chair. And he just goes, how oh, this is a splendid seat. And Ares is like, hold on a second. Who's sitting in Hades's seat? Like it's made for him. And Hermes is like, don't know, but he seems like a human. Maybe he's lost. And Ares goes, okay, come on, dude, give me a break. You know, I'm going to take you back to the spectator arena where you're supposed to belong. And as he grabs for his wrist, this guy just instantly flips Ares onto his face and then on his back again. And Ares just doesn't notice this, you know, like in a split second, he's like, well, hold on a second, what just happened? And Hermes is trying to figure out like, ooh, who can deal with Ares so effortlessly? Who is this human? And the human just goes, all right, humble yourselves. You know, it doesn't matter what place this is. You're in the presence of an emperor. The throne is where I am. And we get the title card for this character. It's, Xin Shi Huang of China. So now we know what the next fight is. The first emperor of China versus the emperor of the netherworld. Xin Shi Huang versus Hades. Whew. All right. So to basically go into the last review. So initially that chapter gave me the impression that Odin was going to be up next. However, I wasn't totally outside the possibility of it being Hades it's just to me that's not what my thought process led me to reading chapter 54 but it's obvious Hades wants to get on the action now to avenge his brother Poseidon so it'll be interesting to see how this fight goes outside of that um Nostradamus being the Joker like I'm not saying he'll be dead last but he'll probably be on the back half of the tournament also it's interesting they brought up the Bifrost because I wonder if that's going to play a role because also Buddha, it's like he said he's the only one that can move heaven and earth, and he's the only one that can move through the six realms. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's considered a chief god and can go to Midgard, Valhalla, and Helheim and travel freely. But outside of that, there's nothing really else other than to discuss, other than like this will be a really interesting fight, especially considering how Shin just totally mollywopped Ares with two flips. Oh, quickly, let's go over um, Shin's design. So 
he has what looks like how can i describe it so he's got a blindfold on with like a weird like like subway plan geometric on the left side with his earring having like a small horse tassel and this weird kind of like tattoo across the right side that looks like uh centipede staples like some kind of combination and then on his index middle and what looks like his thumb on his right hand and then on his ring index and pointer finger on his uh left hand like they have these weird like like decorative dragon talons as well as wearing what looks like you know some chinese robes but like a battle bodice you know for men you know like tight fitting bodice so he has a really cool and interesting design i can't wait to see how he'll fight but other than that like nothing really for me that stands out enough to discuss at the moment but one thing i do want to discuss with regards to the chapter reviews so i try to get them out within a day after they get translated and with double chapter releases the places i go a lot of them tend to do one chapter at a time so i do apologize if it seems like i'm waiting for the next chapter it's not that it's the sites i go on they apparently only get one a day and that's because of the high volume of other manga that they're trying to translate so i'm not trying to do this on purpose you know Maybe I'll wait two days after each one, but I prefer to get them out at the most a day, day and a half after a chapter gets translated and released. So with that said, this has been a Bandelier Core production. Finn McHale, signing out.